Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Welcome Access Church and anyone else that doesn't go to Access but is is listening to this. We're excited that you're uh, with us today. Today is about engaging in conversation that spurs on introspection that we all need to do, uh, a discussion that we all need to have, uh, an action that we all need to take. Our goal is to create discussions before we start making decisions, is to have unity within diversity that God allows for us to have, and then also to have perspective before we try to figure out the problems. And so hopefully we experience that today with this uh, the special panel uh, that we have. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna jump into this. Jesus, thank you for this time. And Lord, we know that, that you want to speak into our culture, you wanna speak into our churches, and you wanna speak actually into our hearts during times like this. And this whole year has been tumultuous. This, this whole year, there's been so much instability, Lord. And this is the perfect time for us to not just to look to each other, but to look to you. You have the answers, Lord, you have the power and you have the, um, you have the heart that we need. That's what we need. We need your heart in this, God. So give us wisdom, uh, give us the ability to hear, give us the ability to laugh, to share, to understand. And God, we just pray what happens here would just reverberate uh, throughout our church into our community and into others' lives. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited about this. Uh, we have, uh, I think there's gonna be uh, a lot of diverse experience, opinions. Uh, some of us know each other. Some of us are just getting to know each other. And so it, it's, it's kind of cool. And so I wanna quickly introduce everybody uh, and then the first thing we're going to do is kind of, obviously today's really going to be uh, focused on um, certain topics, right, that, uh, that are happening in our culture, that are bubbling up, that I think the church should address, that God has created us to address and be on the forefront of. And so it's going to be everything from uh, racial interaction to racial disparity to uh, policing uh, to all even the, the kind of buzzwords that are out there um, that we'll be talking about, defining, giving our perspective on things like that. Uh, but before we do that, let me just kind of go around and um, have everybody meet each other. To my left here, this is Byron. And uh, Byron, we've known each other for a while. Um, when I was at uh, another church, Cross Point Church, that you're still at. In fact, you are involved in the youth ministry there? Yes, yes. All right. I have the uh, sophomore boys this year. So, yeah, we're running strong, keeping them in the right path. So, yeah. Uh, I should pray again for <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. uh, Byron is a, a father of two. Been married for 23 yeah. and some change. There we go. <laughs> And uh, that life talks smooth. yeah, <laughs> is a man who's seen a lot because you were you born in the south, uh, born in Louisiana, raised in Mississippi, um, and then west coast for a while, west coast, Marine Corps came out here, um, stayed, um, uh, married a beautiful, gorgeous, uh, white female, had some little mixed half calf kids, 
Um, Which them. nobody wants to admit. Oh yeah, everyone's like, those are the most beautiful know, kids. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, you know. Um, Sorry, my kids are. They don't get that. But I love you guys. I love Amy. Right? You're beautiful, but man. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's kind of the story. Yeah, you know, born in the South, raised in the South, moved out here, Marine Corps, um, and been out here living. Ever seen since. a lot, so we're glad. We're glad that you're here. Um, we'll keep going down. Uh, Brian, the other Brian, uh, is uh, here with us, and uh, Brian is an elder. Uh, at our church, uh, Access Church. We've known each other for uh, for a long time. Uh, he um, has a, uh, a background that's gonna give us a different perspective too uh, in law enforcement um, that he used to work for. Uh, now he is, uh, you make trees beautiful, right? You probably do more than that, but. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't sound manly, uh, but what, I mean, what exactly what do you do now? I'm a consultant for a company that's based out of the Midwest and I cover uh, West Coast. California, Arizona, Nevada, and partner and help um, large and national landscape companies and tree care companies beautify the commercial landscapes. Oh, nice. He's, he's, all, he's busy. He's always traveling. Father of three, been married for 15 years. 15 years. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, so, we're glad. Short 15 years. <laughs> yeah. It's come back quick. Get back quick. To his left uh, is Jose. Jose also is an elder at our church, father of three, uh, married for. Seven. Yeah, very nice. And so um, he is, uh, he's probably one of the smarter guys around here. I'm sorry guys, but, uh, <laughs> and man. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, he's, uh, he's got a theology degree uh, and then also he's working on a CPA. And sure. so he's, he's a busy man. And then uh, where, where do you work? Uh, I work for the Department of the Navy. So, um, right now I'm at a small installation in Oracle, or just north of Corona accounting work in the, the accounting department. Awesome. Yep. Mm -hmm. so, Spec uh, ops in the accounting department. Exactly. Yeah. So we got a lot of military influence here, especially specifically the Department of Defense. Uh, to my right, this is Kathy. And Kathy, also for how long you've been at the Department of Defense? Over 16 years. 16 wow. years, lots, lots yeah. of experience there. Lots of experience. Uh, busy, four kids. Yeah. And. What's the range of that? Are they? Well, I have two adult kids, and then all of them are adult now. But this is my baby. All right. This is my baby sent to me. Yeah. <laughs> this is my Twenty-two year old baby. Yeah, so yeah. It never changes. Sorry, Jamal. It never changes. Yeah, never changes. Yeah. Because of where you guys live, two churches they're involved in the bridge uh, and uh, the Rock Church in uh, Temecula, and so we're we're glad you're here to get your. Uh, perspective and again we're all with all the churches we're one big family so and then again to her right this is Jamal baby of the family but uh, a young man who's a busy college student yes sir and is it first year you're I'm going into my junior year going into your junior year right on uh, and do you already know your what your major is going to be business business all right awesome. very cool uh, Jamal also works for the do you city work? of El Segundo okay Reckon Parks so. the Reckon Parks yes sir right on and so uh, we're glad that you're joining us also. And, um, and then my name is Brian, pastor at Access Church and uh, been married for 22 years to Christine, two kids. And so, uh, yeah, it's an exciting life, busy life. And uh, looking to jump into this. First thing we're gonna do is to get to know each other uh, and especially within just kind of our influences when it comes to these topics of today as far as just the family we grew up in and then our experiences that we had, uh, what kind of shapes us today when we can, 
when it comes to like racial diversity or just racial interactions, policing, <clears throat> kind of these, these topics. There might be other ones that you guys are even thinking of um, that we've experienced, but uh, just what's that been like? And so, um, Jamal, if you wouldn't mind, we'll, we'll kind of start with you. We'll just kind of go around here and kind of just hear our experiences. Uh, and so we've already spoken uh, last week. We got to know each other, which I thought was going to be a short conversation. It was super <laughs> enjoyable. I, was, I couldn't wait to, to, to get you here. But it um, be great to hear again just a little bit about how you've grown up and what shaped you. Okay, so um, I grew up in a military family. My dad served in the military and my mom works for the military. So upbringing, always be respectful to your elders, all that good stuff, you know. Do good in school, keep your grades up, play sports, date, but be responsible <laughs> while dating. <laughs> well, well done, man. <laughs> We're throwing in there. And so, yeah, that's that's pretty much just my upbringing is always be respectful. It's the main thing that's been installed in me. One thing that, uh, that I've heard is that, especially um, within the black community, is growing up what you might be taught about, hey, as you get older, when you interact with police officers, things like that. And again, I'm saying I'm, I've heard this from just a you know, variety of people. Um, and then some people, it's different how, how they're taught in that. Uh, and then just even your interaction as far as, depending on where you grew up, were you the minority, the majority, was it mixed? Um, how was it growing up as far as just racial disparity? What was that like interacting with different races? And then with specifically uh, the police, your views as you've grown up? So growing up, I was always a minority. So no matter where I went, I was probably the only black person in my class. I know it really started to hit me or I really started to see it more when I got here in El Segundo in fifth grade, where I was the only African-American pretty much in my class. I think mm -hmm. there was only four of us in like the fifth grade class. And so I always had to try to make friends and try to fit in because I was always the one out, but I do play sports. So that also helped me with my outlet of getting to know people and them also getting to know me better. But so that's, that's pretty much that for that part. But dealing with the police, you know, I'm always taught like by my father, especially that to always correspond and like just work with them and don't give them any reason to think mm -hmm. that you're doing something else and if you have to reach for something you explain to them where your phone your wallet and mm -hmm. everything is at before you even reach for it always have hands visible present just so they don't have any reason to think otherwise of the situation always keep your voice level no matter what they do even if they try to throw you around procedures stay calm as possible because they're just looking to try to incite you and get you started. Mm. Have you had any experiences? Um, I have. When I was, I want to say, a freshman in high school, yeah. I was standing outside my house and a neighbor had called the cops on us. My brother and I and like some of our friends that were African-American in the city of Osagunda. And I guess they thought we were doing something we weren't supposed to be doing. and. We had four cop cars pull up. We had two, and they just like barricaded us and blocked us and put the lights on us so we couldn't see anything. Walked up to us, told us to put our hands on our head. Of course we did it, and then they pushed us up against the hood and started patting us down just for standing outside our own house. And so it was one of those situations where I had never experienced that before. And so when I experienced it, of course I was shaking. I was like, oh, yeah. oh snap, like, this, like I don't know what to do. Like, I'm, I'm just gonna stay here and just, 
stay as calm as possible. My brother, he's telling me, he was like, you all right, you know, like, you okay, like, just, just relax. And so having him definitely there by my side helped with the situation because I don't know how else I would have reacted. And then also my father telling us like how to, how to handle those type of situations. This was also in the back of my mind too. So. That training was huge then, as far as your Definitely. dad being like, this yes. is how it is. Yes, yeah. yes, sir. Yeah. What about, um, what about growing up as far as just like the reality? And some people are different as far as just like, you know you're a minority when you're walking into a certain situation as far as how that affects behavior or interaction or did you experience anything where it's like man i'm i'm i'm, I'm definitely getting singled out oh of my skin color. if if i walk down the street and there's an elderly white woman i'll just say that for example she'll clench her purse or walk the opposite direction and i'll i'll look at her like i'm not gonna hurt you or anything i always walk around <laughs> with a smile on my face like if you guys can't tell but it's just it's something that i do like i'm just a happy person i walk yeah. around smile i'll speak to anybody and everybody like so I'm not disrespectful in any type of way, but when I see it, it's like, you know, right away, yeah, like, you know, right away. Yeah. And then it's just, it's frustrating at times too. Cause I'll also hold doors for people when they walk in yeah. and they won't say anything to me or say, thank you. And it's like the door just happened to be open by itself. So, but yeah, definitely it's, it's been tough. I've had to bite my tongue a couple of times in situations where I wanted to say something where I was like, can't do it. I know I'll get in trouble for it. Okay. So, like swallow it and keep on walking. Yeah. So everybody thinks everything's okay, but you've walked away and there's something going on. Yes, it's on. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you sharing. We're gonna we're gonna hear more. Uh, Kathy, what about for you as far as just you growing up uh, and how it shaped you within your family and then your experiences growing up? I grew up in Alabama, so I was born in Chicago. And by the time we were three, when my father died. Uh, we moved to Alabama, so we were living with my grandparents and all over Alabama. And so it was in the 60s. Mm-hmm. We were the first integrated class in 1970 to start from the first grade to the 12th grade. So we had we had what we call a track system. The whites live on one side of the track, yeah. and the blacks lived on the other side of the track. So it was like you didn't go across that track unless you, you know, you knew if you went across the track, it was going to be a problem. So. But anybody from that side of the track was more than welcome to come into our neighborhood, and there were no consequences and no trouble. Mm-hmm. So, but I saw racial injustice, racial um, just discrimination out of the world. And my uncle was killed by the KKK, and he was like the only father figure that I knew. So at five years of age, we moved to we moved to Alabama when I was three and by the time I was five, my uncle had been shot three times in the back of his head and his back and killed by the KKK. And I can remember vividly when the police officers came to the house and he said, um, your son's not coming home tonight, so um, he's dead. You know, so nonchalant, like it was just no nothing to it like he's dead there's not gonna be an investigation so you know i'm just letting you know you can come down tomorrow or, or view the body or whatever and it was like wow at five that kind of shaped my worldview like thinking this is not a really safe place to live i'm afraid i'm fearful 
and that fear permeated me. It like it's, it kept me from engaging in a lot of different other activities because I was so fearful yeah. and scared. And I think that's kind of like what we're feeling now. Like people are getting scared and fearful. And you know, and I, it was just, it was horrific. And I just saw my whole family fall apart mm. during that time because he was like the breadwinner of the family. Mm. And so he had eight kids and those eight kids had to go live separately in different places. And so it was just, and, and I could tell you numerous stories like that, that happened in that era, that period. And then I can also tell you numerous stories of where there was good things because yeah. the kids behind the scene, we were going to school and we were making it work. Right. And then uh, <laughs> the older people, they were like trying to hold us down. And it's kind of like what you're seeing now with yeah. the rise. These younger people are like making it happen. Yeah. They're changing and shaping reality. And, and you know, and but then it was, it was very scary, you know. So when we was at school, that was our safe haven. We were like yeah. all together yeah. and trying to make it work, yeah. you know, despite what was going on behind the scenes, you know, so. But um, my mom was like a rock, mm. you know. She was like, you will not discriminate. She mm. was a Christian. She was like, you will not dislike somebody because of the color of their skin or what they look like or you know you better have a darn good reason why you don't like somebody <laughs> yeah <laughs> or you gotta get it yeah. you know so yeah. i'm like whoa, 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 yeah. whoa okay so i'm getting it from hopey yeah. so yeah so yeah my mom was a rock she was she was solid she was like no and that's how i raised my kids you know like that like you know you you better not dislike someone because of the color of their skin you need to was it hard for you than that was it hard for you to share though your experiences, or is it one of the things of I'm I'm gonna hold off and sharing so I don't, you know, over. I don't know how do you handle that as a parent as far as the atrocities. There's atrocities today, but I feel like there's a different yeah. level of atrocities for anyone that lived through the civil rights movement. And I think what we forget sometimes is, if I'm honest, there's probably some people like, come on, let's just get over it. Like that was yeah, yeah. that was 50, 60 years ago. And what we forget is, wait a second. There's still, for young people today, that's their parents or grandparents. So it's not like all oh, the stories are from yesteryear. It's like they're telling. And so even within progress, there's still stories and interaction. And then there's reminders that have to be difficult. What was that like for you sharing with your kids as a parent as far as did you struggle with that? Or was it kind of like, I got I to gotta share with you where well, I come from? Their dad is so good. My yeah. husband is so good. He's awesome in that category so I really don't have to do that because he's not only military he's also a cop too so he that was his job security forces when he was serving in the military so he handles those conversations gotcha. a lot better than I do gotcha. so he just sits them down and being that they're young men yeah. it is much easier for him to talk to them and so I'm so glad that We've been married like a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> we like that. We've, we've gone through the wires. Man. We've gone through the storms. Yeah. So we've been married a hundred years. So. But you're on the same page. And we're with still it. on the same page with how we were. That was one of the things that God blessed us with, being on the same page with our parenting skills. And you can tell that by the fruit of yeah. what we yeah. put out with our young men and our young women. We have one girl, one girl, and mm -hmm. she's just, well I mean, yeah. Well, very well protected. <laughs> you better know it. <laughs> but she you knows she's our little princess. You yeah, know, yeah, she's yeah. Uh, she's next to the oldest, but she's still my little princess. Yeah. But, 
Yeah, but he's just so good with handling those difficult conversations, with letting them know like the truth, right? And not not sugarcoating the truth, yeah. but letting them know the truth, but still making them have their dignity and their self esteem and all intact at one yeah. time. So he's really he's really great at that, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. So. Uh, my experience has been really interesting as far as uh, because I've had three dads. Um, so I had these periods where, uh, and most of the time, uh, I've been on the very much of the lower socioeconomic spectrum, and especially when my mom was single. And so uh, for me, it's been interesting as far as being in the majority and then being the minority as far as like you, I was, uh, and I was really shaped in junior high, in high school, where uh, I was a handful of white kids in South Bakersfield. And so uh, that was eye-opening as far as uh, very aware of my whiteness uh, that was pointed out and I played sports too and it's not popular back then to be white and play basketball and I ran track which I got made fun of um, just because it was at least in South Vegas was like what are you doing out here kind of a thing <laughs> but you kind of just that balance of um, kind of just dealt with it and you tried to overcome I don't know about for you Jamal but sports helped me to overcome some of those things so I didn't get harassed as much so sports was my like, I better do good because that's my end to be in in this this community. Um, it was, I was sharing with Jamal when we were talking. It's so weird how you don't realize and looking back how much I wanted to be like the culture around me. So back then it was the 80s and when I had hair, we'd feather our hair. Feathering was cool. And me and another friend that we were we were tight. But this is back in the 80s now. So um, Jerry curls and wet, right? You talked wet was in. Okay, so we all listen to rap. My friend, he's like, I'm gonna do something. I'm like, what are you gonna do? He's like, I'm gonna feather the front and Jerry oh, curl no. the back. Oh, my God. oh no. So let me just tell you this this is the pathway he went. Okay. My friend got shot at a party later on, a couple years later. Whoa. So um, that's that the neighborhood, weird. but that's the neighborhood we grew in. But it was that pressure that we didn't realize at the time. Mm. And I didn't realize that because you're a kid and you're just so deaf, but you didn't realize like that really affects you. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Now, the beauty for me, though, is that um, that uh, I had some amazing experiences with Hispanic families and black families where they invited, they literally protected me and allowed me in. And where I saw racism the most, um, first of all, with police, I can't say I saw as far as I've been in the back of a cop car a couple of times. I've been pulled over uh, a couple of times just for driving in the wrong, like in Escondido. Um, this is my early 20s and I was just driving too slow. Cop pulled me over, no reason. And he, what are you doing here? Where are you going? What's your address? Why are you here? Uh, and so I've had these experiences, but it hasn't been elevated. Like you share what you shared. I'm like, that's like a whole nother, like, you know, no questions. It was get out of the car, you know? So there's these levels to the game that I feel like, but it was interesting for me is how the totem pole was, is, um, so in South Bakersfield, it was um, Hispanics and lighter skinned blacks kind of ruled the roost. And then it was white. And then who got made fun of the most is we had government um, housing. And so I'm talking fresh off the boat from Africa, darker skin, they got made fun of the most and they got beat up the most. So it's really interesting when it's like, I just saw where it's just like sin just messes up all of us. And you always look for someone to pick on and it was like, I was the white kid 
but I was, I knew I was in the pecking order that I didn't get beat up as much as these kids did. They got made fun of so much. Mm. So that was my experience yeah. that really shaped me. Yeah. Um, and then with police officers um, being kind of the, the norm, they actually did not like coming into our neighborhood. So I also knew that, that the calls um, because of the violence too. So, so that's kind of what shaped me when I look at this issue uh, today. Uh, Crazy. Uh, for me, um, born in Louisiana, raised in Mississippi, um, uh, racism was in your face. Racism was a, you knew who liked you, you knew who didn't <laughs> like you. You knew uh, what neighborhoods to go to, where to hang out. You knew um, you knew you couldn't go, you know, hunting on this person's land because you might get shot. Yeah. Like, you just knew that. Um, so it was out there. It, 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 it was <laughs> clearly out there. Like, there was no... Yeah. Um, so kind of like you, I was a 70s baby, raised in the 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think I kind of came up, you know, it's Kathy, right? Mm -hmm. Kathy. So it was for, for me, it was almost like the transition age era where, you know, my, 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 my parents have lived that, you know, segregated, you know, high schools and that whole life. And they kind of went through that. And we as kids came through in time frame where it was, I think I talked to you, um, we had a black prom, we had a white prom. We had a um, white female, white male homecoming queen. We had a white, uh, black male, black female homecoming. I mean, so everything was split down the middle and it was the norm. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't know any better, but we would be sitting in class and be like, dude, why don't we do a prom together, bro? And they'd be like, you know, that's a good idea. So you why talk about it. Oh, once. we yeah. as a group of, of kids that's growing up, we talked about that because, but we, but we were like, dude, our grandparents are not gonna let this crap fly. <laughs> like, there's no way in the world they're gonna yeah. let this go down. But we had those conversations, and we were aware of it. Um, and it was just, it was clearly in your face. You knew where to go. You were, you knew where not to go. You knew you couldn't go to that swimming pool. You knew you wasn't allowed. Um, and the flip side of it, there were some communities that the white friends of ours knew they couldn't come into. Like, bro, you can't come, like from, like I think it's Boys in the Hood, the movie, like, bro, you can't, why are you here after nine o'clock at night? You just can't be here, bro. You got to go, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. it just doesn't work like that. Um, but that was kind of mine early on, um, wholesome Christian family. Um, you know, grandparents, you know, grandfather was a deacon, you know, grandmother was the missionary. And this is the, the bylaw, you know, if you're gonna live. and discrimination is not part of it. Yeah. Like, you know, you need to know a person, you need to meet a person, you need to know who they are, what they are, what they're about, um, before you pick any size on anything. This person needs to do something specific before you call this person out on right. anything. Um, so that was kind of it. Um, as far as uh, cops, um, I've had a few issues, um, I, but I guess for me, I always looked at what was your last call? Where did he just come from before he pulled me over? Did he just pull over a bunch of thugged out kids from the projects who was throwing up gang signs and and then I caught the aftermath of it? So you giving me attitude, you're not really giving me attitude. You might be upset with your wife. You might be upset with your kids that's failing school that you got a problem with. You might not really be mad with me. So that was always my take. And I think that's just the, the way my parents and just life and the Marine Corps and all that. Um, so I had a situation in Vegas. I'm going, I just moved up there, up there working, doing a uh, 
contracting GA for a couple months for uh, AT&T, Nortel, Nortel Networks, AT&T Wireless. And cop pulls me over and I'm like, dude, what was I doing? I got on shorts, tank top, hoodie open them, listen to music, you know, eating fries. And he was like, you know, you fit the description of a vehicle, you know, of somebody that we're looking for. And I'm like, yeah, right, really? But I didn't, again, I didn't give him that attitude. Yes, sir, absolutely. Mm -hmm. No, sir, okay. Pulled me over in front of a 7-Eleven, park, cars are coming, people coming outside. This was before cell phones, there was no mm -hmm. video. You know, you're just like embarrassed. embarrassed. Um, he gets you out of the car, he pats you down, you got anything in the vehicle, no sir. You know, they go through the whole vehicle. He puts me back in, all right, you know, my sergeant or whatever is coming to check you out. I'm like, okay. And I sit there for 45 minutes, mad. I'm talking about pissed. And I'm like, <sighs> so another cop comes up, they talk. The guy who pulled me over leaves. The other cop who showed up leaves. And then the, the, the sergeant whatever comes over to my vehicle. And was like, hey, here's your ID back. Sorry about everything. Have a good day. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. Mm -mm. We got a problem. You need to explain this to me. Bro, my fries are closed. But I can't eat my burger. Like we and it was, and I got the, and again, I'm I got cop friends, you know, CHP, San Diego PD. Yeah. And I got the answer. It was like, you know, you fit the description of somebody that we were looking for. Um, black male, same size. And I'm like, my hair is feathered. Right, hey, 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 right. Hey, brother, I right? shouldn't have shared that story. Right. I should not have shared that story. And I'm like, really? Like, I, I was frustrated. I was mad. I was, but I was like, all right, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, I'm assuming you have a job to do. You have something that you gotta. Yeah, you know, and, and, and you move past it. You're like, mm -hmm. you know what? All right, I'm done with it. But that's kind of that was kind of me in a nutshell on yeah. on that topic. So, yeah. Brian, what about you? Um, it, I'm just enjoying hearing all this. I mean, it's just it's an eye opener. I'm just sitting here, just shaking my head. Mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, coming into this as we as we talked before. I, I was nervous. I couldn't be happier that it, that I did this just by hearing these first three stories. Like, whoa, you know, we all have our stories. I was. I was raised by a colonel of the Marine Corps. I was raised by the Great Santini. <laughs> and I um, I didn't get away with the thing. Nothing. I tried. Believe me, I tried. Um, even when he was deployed, you know, he gave mom the reins, like, crack of the whip if you need to. Well, my kids are not getting out of line. Uh, well, I got out of line. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think that's really what made me today. I, I grew up very privileged, you know, from... Uh, growing up in San Diego County, dad got orders to Okinawa, so he, you know, we went accompanied, um, and we lived on base. And you know, you just you saw the authority, saw the authority. So it was like I, I can't get away with anything. Not that I, I wanted to, but there was that sin in me. There was that rebellion in me, as we all grew up with. Um, and then from there, we moved to to Norfolk, actually Virginia Beach, right, right there on the border. Um, and that was the first time I was introduced with. Mm -hmm with mixed race because yeah. growing up in in San Diego or San Marcos back at that time there was no, it, yeah. was, it was mostly all white yeah. folks yeah and there was some Hispanics mm -hmm. but I I was too young and yeah. you know paid no mind and when we lived in Okinawa we lived off base for a period mm -hmm. of time so I got very immersed into the Japanese culture real quick right and you you know it was all about ultimate respect um, and so at a very young age I was being 
immersed into different cultures. Come now to uh, come back out into Virginia, um, I was immersed into multiple cultures, you know, with the, the, the black culture community yep. and then ours. And I've always had a way of being friends with everybody. I can talk to anybody. I don't care who you are. I'll strike up a conversation with you. Um, and I think from a young age, I've always, always tried to find the good in people. I don't know if that was just my dad putting that in me or my Irish Catholic mother who just said, <laughs> always find the best in yeah. people. Because if you do that, they'll find the best in you in return. And that's how the relationships start. So I always, I always try to just make people feel important. Um, from there, we moved back here. Um, and that's when I kind of got into my rebellion a little bit. Um, continued to grow up in the Catholic Church, you know, and, and hung, around, um, hung around a lot of my dad's workmates' families. One of his best friends, John Moffat, black man. And uh, he was a major. No, he was, he was a lieutenant colonel. My dad was a major. Mm-hmm. And his kids were just as fun as any of my... Any of my other white white friends, and I just this is going to sound bad. This is something Brian and I talked about, and even during this time, I didn't see color. I saw a person who had a heart that pumped red. We put pants on the same way, one leg at a time, and so my entire life, I've lived like that. Um, my mother passed away in '06, and my dad remarried a Hispanic woman. My brother-in-law is gay, married to an Indian, uh, a man. Cares you got everything, you got everything in your family. My yep. whole life has been. <laughs> we are the world in your family. Yeah. <laughs> and so we've raised my kids around that now. And I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but I just, I've been in different, around yeah. different communities my whole, my whole yeah. life. Um, digressing back to um, growing up, little rebellious and stuff like that. I learned to respect cops. Because the cops back in San Marcos of the day, uh, there was a motor officer, Jackson, and he pulled you over. If you, if you got pulled over, you were getting rid of the right act. But there was a common understanding. If it was yes, sir, no, sir, kind of like what you were talking about, Jamal, hands where you can see them. And if you did something wrong, you did something wrong, and you were going to be held accountable for it. So from an early age, from my father, from the colonel, you're held accountable. There's consequences, some good, some bad. Um, and there was tickets that I had gotten from. Yeah. You know, Deputy Deputy Jackson, just the way it was. You'll um, never forget his name. No, I won't. Jackson. No, I won't. So bad, uh, bad interactions with cops. No, that we we didn't. There weren't many cops in San Marcos, so we just learned how to you know drive fast and get, get yeah. away. Um, <laughs> growing up, yeah. Furthermore, I became a police officer. I would think I was twenty twenty three. Yeah, uh, it was either go on the Marine Corps. Mom said don't because it was 89, 90. That's when, you know, Desert, uh, Desert Storm was That's going right. on. So I took uh, the, the path to become a police officer. Did that for about 18 years. Um, I had a very good time doing that. Mm-hmm. I never, in all my dealings with people, it was be kind to them. Um, love them. They have a heart. Were there times when I was jaded? Yeah, there was. There was. Two very close um, friends killed in the line of duty. Um, one by a uh, Hispanic male and the other by a Samoan. And it was about that time when you and I met. Yeah. 
and I was, I was very jaded. Mm -hmm. Very. Um, if I think back about it, every as I'm forced to think back about it now, was was there racist thoughts? No, there wasn't. Was I jaded because of who they were and how they lived their lifestyles? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, but I always had, I always had a way of getting along with anybody whether you were part of the black community, Hispanic community, Samoan community, Asian community. I, I just enjoyed people. Mm -hmm. So I didn't put them, you know, compartmentalize people or anything like that. You know, you love me, I love you, I love you, you love me. And I, it, I, that's the way I was raised, the world goes round. You know? We're gonna talk a little bit more about policing. That's why I'm glad you're here, because uh, I think Almost all the issues we're going to talk about, there's a, there's a complexity there. Mm -hmm. And anyone that tries to give a blanket statement or an answer is like, ah, there's, there's probably more nuance. But we'll talk a little bit more about that because I think it's relevant. Um, Jose, uh, some people might be like, why is Jose here? This is a black white issue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just have the Mexican that yeah. in the pot. <laughs> Token Mexican. And, uh, um, you know, for me, it's interesting. Again, living in California, I saw more racist jokes when I, especially when I was younger, towards Hispanics. I had friends that would wake up, work in the fields, come to school before like that. So this is Central California, whole different culture. But I saw they shouldn't have been working. I saw how they were treated. I saw how people viewed them. So I saw much more. And in South Bakersfield, I was a minority, so I didn't see um, some of these issues that we're talking about. Um, so curious for you as far as just growing up and then your experiences if they're different or if they're just a little bit the same i think um for me it was more when i was in seventh grade we moved up to central california to modesto i'm sorry you did and, that I'm sorry. <laughs> um and it wasn't necessarily racism but it's always you stuck to your race yes you know so your friends who are same race, even though I may talk to a black classmate, I'm not gonna hang out with him after school. You know what I mean? It's always it's always seemed it was segregated by you know, whites hung out with whites, yeah. Yes. Blacks with blacks and Mexicans with Mexicans. And there was a lot of racist jokes a lot. Um, towards all the races, you know, but it wasn't um, It was equal opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> no one got away with it. Um, I, I think it was just the, my my worldview was my Hispanic culture, you know, of um, obviously we weren't as wealthy. We were um, a working class, um, you know, a lot of my friends, parents did work in the fields. They, they would be taken on the weekends, yeah. you know, um, especially you knew that the season when it was time to pick peaches because they would get, you know, you would go or, you know, so it's, um, I think it wasn't until I joined the Marine Corps where my worldview got shattered. Huh. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say shattered because it, I got thrown into a melting pot of people, and and it was it was very interesting to learn. You know, um, it was very different 
talking to a black from California or talking to a black person from the Midwest or from the South. Completely or Chicago lives. or New York. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and also it's, it's yeah, geographically our nations are right. Right. It's it's intense how the context of where you grew up in the geographic area is is your worldview. Right. You know, um, and I think um, experiencing um, going into uh, combat with people of different races really really change my my view on the human being, you, you know, um, and I can say now, you know, some of my best friends are black. Yeah. One of my best friends from Alabama, um, and you know, I love that guy to death. Mm-hmm. I just have good friends that are, are gingers, you know. So it's it's, I I I wish that we, as a culture, we will be able to learn from other people because. It, and unfortunately for me, it happened at a way later, later age, yeah. but I'm fortunate that it did happen. That's where that exposure relation, I'm just big on relationships change everything. Once you get in relationship and all of a sudden human to human, and then you can enjoy different cultures, different you know ways that people do things, view things, express things. Like when I go as a Christian, when I go to Africa, one thing I like about it is the way they worship there completely different <laughs> right and so for me it's like i learned to become more expressive but i felt weird right and then all of a sudden two weeks out there i'm feeling more expressive but then i come back it's like why are you so expressive and then i go back to you know it's like and we make fun of the black white thing right, and, right. and there's a caricature within the you know the black church how long they go you know or how vibrant they are but there's right, probably right, right. some of that too where it's like culture's like yeah we like that that was our you know community that was our family right. and and so we, but we learn, it's like, ooh, I like that. I want to take that from there. And right. um, and so relationships are so important, even joking. You know, it's just like, like everything's offensive when we don't know each other. But then when we're with our friends, I remember, you know, it's just like, <laughs> and especially if it was of different races, but we all knew each other, it, we don't yeah. say whatever we wanted. But then all of a sudden you get out and, and everybody's right. different. Right. So, right. Um, so where are we at? with our culture today, the things we're seeing. And I don't know if we're seeing the same things. Maybe we listen to different news. Maybe it's the same, different friends of what we want to talk about, you know, our different family members. I don't know, but I'm curious, what's on our hearts as far as what burdens us for what we're seeing today from, uh, whether it's police interactions, whether it's protests or whether it's the rioting, whether it's just the graphic images and the things we're seeing is some graphic images, and it's coming out now. News media coming out with all kinds of different things. Um, what, what do we feel like are are the, the things that are stirring up in us? Uh, Fear, kind of shame, anger, um, lack of hope. I mean, if if you're asking for things that are just popping off. You know, my, my heart, my, you know, my mind, yeah, I'm, so I'm scared. Yeah. I'm scared for, I, I got three kids. Um, you got four and you got, you know, one just getting ready to just pop right into, you know, corporate America potentially. The thought of that scared, it scares me. You know, um, 
what is it that scares you? What's what's the thought? Because whenever we have emotion, there's a thought that generates that emotion, right? What's the thought that generates that emotion as far as what makes you fearful? Um, lacking control of how I can, of how, of how we normally live life, you know? It's, um, it's different these days, you know? Uh, I don't think people are looking at, for me, I don't think people are looking at one another. Uh, how can I make that person feel most important today? You know, um, it's absent. It's absent and sad, and it and it frustrates me. And I think it parts parts of me. It, it angers me. You know, Lindsay and I talk about this yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, and in since you know we've come to know Christ, it's like that's what we're called to do. That's what God calls us to do: is to find the best in people, to you know, to love them, um, and to let them know that they are they are loved. And that's it's lacking today. And I, I think and we're inundated with it. Yeah, we're being inundated yeah. with it. Right and, and as much as we want to, yeah, you know, if I come across a TV, not in my house, that has the news on, because we just don't watch it. It's just too sad, or or something that on the news. I, I just shake my head, and it's just that's a shame. That's a shame. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.